You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. We're actually going to talk about the NBA bubble, uh, give you our thoughts on it. And then we have an interesting trading card scenario, Carmelo Anthony against TC, Terry Cummings. Going into our discussion about the bubble, uh, look, man, I think the NBA got this right. I really believe that a lot of the sports leagues and we mentioned this in our previous uh podcast show a lot of the sports leagues needs to go and follow what the nba has done in terms of creating a bubble situation the nba just got this absolutely right now i will say it's not perfect there are some exceptions there needs to be some visitation by some family members by some significant others uh just to kind of make sure that the players are right i'll just put it like that for the most part, the NBA got this right, man. And I would have to say this, man. A big shout-out to the Phoenix Suns, um, their organization. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of their organization as a, as a whole, but what they did in the bubble in terms of creating uh, a video of the players' loved ones, um, having them to introduce their lineup, yes. that was so cool. And I think that really shows this to – the degree that technology can really play an integral role in just the uh, overall morale of a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kudos to uh, the Phoenix Suns on that. Overall, I think the NBA uh, bubble situation is a success because they will finish a season that they started. Uh, they will crown a champion, and they're going to test out different ideas to incorporate into the future, uh, i.e. their playing yes. game to determine who's the eighth seed and all like we, mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit offline here and how excited we are about who's going to get this final a spot. Is yep. it going to be the Memphis Grizzlies who just beat the Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, is it going to be Phoenix Suns who has gone undefeated in the bubble just to even get to this point? Or is it going to be the Portland trailblazers? So that portion I think is a big win for the NBA. Yes, I agree, Jason. And I think one thing I am leery of is testing the bubble with bringing the f- friends and family after the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> that makes me a little nervous just due to – so I'm trusting the NBA and what they're trying to do here. I get it because the players are away from their family and their friends, so it gives them opportunity to see everyone. I just want to see what the plan is once they're there and where they're going to be located to make sure the players do not get sick because all it takes is one. They can bring the whole house down. So that's the only thing I'm leery about. Otherwise, in total agreement, some of the observations too, as we actually the basketball side of things, the scoring. I was curious, you see all the games, man, the high scoring, and do you contribute it to just – them not having to travel and they're just in one location or is it teams are vanilla and they don't want to show anything really before the playoffs hit 
So it's just more or less getting their legs together and letting a whole bunch of different guys get opportunities since some of the stars are resting or are injured. I'm liking the offense because some of these games, man, have just been off the hook, going down to the end, high scoring. It reminds you kind of the 80s in a way, just the up and down, cats coming up, jacking three-pointers from all over the court and, and making them in most cases. So it's that's been very interesting. What do you think about that, Jason, around the scoring aspect of it? Look here, man. I, here's what, here are my thoughts. I think when you talk about the 80s, you're talking about 80s uh, on the West, Western Conference going up and down um, yes. pretty much uh, scoring-wise. I think I, to, your, to your question, I contributed more to vanilla offenses. Okay. Um, I think it's really vanilla. I've seen portions of offenses – but a whole lot of pick and roll action, just a whole lot of some of the basics. I think with the layoff, the teams haven't played five on five ball. Mm-hmm. So I think they're getting reused to each other. Yeah. Um, if you will. And I think this kind of goes back to the NBA and how well they really map this out in terms of the practices, in terms of the number of games, the playing uh the seating games and then going right into the playoffs. I think eight games was was more than enough for the teams to get used to each other. I think eight games was good to have that play-in situation. I contribute that to the NBA, you know, really planning things out, but I think it's because of the vanilla offenses you're, you're seeing um, the high scoring. Because mm-hmm. some of the defenses that I've seen, man, they are just totally lax. <laughs> I was like, man, what <laughs> in the world? I mean, you're not going to – go out and defend the three. I mean, you're not going to, you know, defend the roller on a pick and roll action. I mean, I, I was like, whoa, this, this is something else. You can't blame the communication. There, there are no fans. Although the NBA did, has done a good job of trying to incorporate some of the fans into, into the uh, atmosphere with the, with the, the crowd noise and the actual virtual yes. uh, seating and virtual fans there. But you can't blame communication on it. So <laughs> I think it's vanilla offenses and just the lack of defense, if you will. Yep. And I think, too, it makes me think of the All-Star game in a way and how it plays. It's not as lax as the All-Star game, but once you get into the fourth quarter, that's when things get a little tense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And teams pick it up and they have a little pride to say, all right, let's go ahead and win this game and whatever. So, yeah, man, no, that's been very interesting from that standpoint. So, now, what do you think about, I guess, the Eastern Conference? I mean, what are your thoughts about what you see in the Eastern Conference in this bubble situation? So, from the seating perspective, nothing's really changed. So it's pretty much been standing pat. Otherwise, man, I think it's just been kind of what you expected. They carried over from uh, once COVID hit. The one thing of note is 76ers. Now with Ben Simmons being out, pretty much being out for the rest of the playoffs, and Embiid hurting his ankle, that's going to impact the 76ers, where they actually, in theory, had a pretty good shot with this being in a neutral site and the way they're built. But Mm -hmm. now I think that puts them at a disadvantage. Some of the other teams, man, it's like we've talked about before. The Raptors look really good. 
the Celtics look good. Pacers have been playing. That's going to be a very interesting matchup when we talk about that with the Heat. I know, Jason, you have some <laughs> thoughts on the Pacers. But, man, but, listen, look here, man. That's fool's gold, man. So, they were in that yellow jersey for a reason, man. That's fool's gold, man. <laughs> the Bucks have been, I would say, up and down. But then it goes to the fact of kind of how they've been substituting in their lineups and – you don't know if Coach Bud is trying to just try some things out before the playoffs and limit minutes and things like that as they're approaching, like, the, th- the second half. That's also been pretty interesting watching, but how about you, Jay? Uh, look here, man. I-, I would say that with the 76ers, I didn't have any confidence w- uh, in them even before the Ben Simmons injury. They are set to play the Celtics uh, in the first round. Mm-hmm. Celtics look too strong to me, man. They look too much cohesive unit. And I believe that the Celtics will definitely get, get them out. And I think there's going to have to be a lot done with, to the 76ers in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They're going to come across some major decisions with that team. I would say this. I think uh, what's going to be interesting is Miami Heat. Some games they play good. Some games you can get them, mm-hmm. and you, you can catch them slipping a little bit. That's an intriguing team, and they're um, young too, so you don't young, know what you're gonna get. Young and hungry, exactly. Um, but I will say, if you think about having to go through the playoff process, if there was in a normal situation where they had to do, we had the traveling and the home court advantage and stuff like that, I can see the Miami Heat probably, you know, struggling a little bit when it comes to possibly the next round, second round. Being in this bubble situation, no fans, this is going to be real interesting. I'm not – Pacers, fool's gold. I mentioned that already. T.J. Warren is doing a great job, but yeah, – he's been hooping, not, man. I don't, think he's going, I don't think it's going to last, man. I see the Heat advancing definitely in that series. But, yeah, the Eastern Conference is going to be interesting, and I'll have a segment about the Bucks, uh later on. I agree with you. Bucks been up and down, man. Uh, but I'll get into that segment later on. So uh, that's my Eastern Conference thoughts so far. Uh, what do you think about the Western Conference? The West, there's been some shifting going on. With the seeding, unlike the East, where the East stood pat, uh, we spoke about the eight seed that's up for grabs and what that tournament game or playing game looks like for Saturday. Still to be decided with a few games left for tonight on the slate. But you see OKC moving up. Saw the Jazz mm-hmm. move down. Denver moved down. So it was just a little shifting going on that may impact some teams where if they were in the spots pre-COVID, they may have had a better shot at moving forward. So, like, for example, OKC and Houston now. Depends on the Westbrook thing. But I saw OKC moving forward to that second round. Now, against the Rockets, does that impact them? The Jazz, too. Them playing Denver off top. How does that impact them? So, it would be very interesting. And then, obviously, with Dallas, the way Luka's been playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Averaging a triple-double. And that's where this is where it's very intriguing to see these playoff games coming up. 
Because then you won't see, is this how it's going to be the whole time? Or is it going to be lockdown, defense? And I'm just very curious what the style of play will be once the playoffs hit on Monday. Yeah, this this is going to be – the Western Conference is going to be real interesting, man. Look, I think with – I agree with you. Uh, with uh, Westbrook going down first round uh, with the quad injury, mm-hmm. do we know if it's the entire first round or we just, do we, we just know it's just uh, – They said – no, they don't know how many games yet. Okay. Once they start uh, feeling like they're slipping away, he's going to come back. Yep. Um, because quite quite frankly, I can see I can see OKC getting with them, man. That's yeah, going to be a, that's going to be an interesting series right there. I I can see like if if it's like a 2-1 situation, either way, you'll see Westbrook going out there cuz that's that's going to give that's going to give Westbrook about a good week and some change. It's going to give him some time to get that rest he needs for that quad. So uh, once it's 2-1, either way, no matter who leads, you'll see Westbrook uh, up in there. And um, with that, on that, Jason, mm-hmm. there's a lot of motivation from his standpoint, too. Mm-hmm. He's playing OKC. Playing OKC, exactly. And for CP3, playing Houston. So exactly. that's why that series is going to be very interesting now. That's, <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Man, that Clippers – Maverick series. I ain't gonna get no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and for you fans out there, when the playoffs usually start, I usually never get any sleep. I remember uh TNT back in the day. Um they used to promote 40 games and 40 nights. Yes. I think I watched all four <laughs> 40 <laughs> nights, man. I was up. I was like, oh my god, the next day at work, I would just be so tired, but Yes, it will. I will hold true to it because you know the post game, especially with with Kenny Charles, Shaq, and Ernie. I mean, it's kind of like you got to stay up for that. You got to watch it, and so yeah, I, I would struggle the next day um, and all. <laughs> but man, that that Clippers Mavericks series is going to be interesting. I think Luca is going is going to really experience the playoffs. This is to be your first, his first playoff experience. Yes. Yeah, he gonna get dealt with a little bit, man. I give him, a, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give him a game or two that he's gonna have to adjust to it. Yes, because the Clippers have the bodies that they can just throw mm-hmm. multiple people at him, multiple looks, and these are all mm-hmm. dudes that are like six, seven, six, eight. Yeah, they're and long. can move with and them. athletic. Yeah, exactly. They can move with them. Yep. So. Yeah. So that's gonna be interesting, man. But here again. This goes back to a conversation we had in, our, in the previous show. Mavericks need a third, a third person. They got some shooting now. They got Curry out yep. there shooting it, lighting it up. They have um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Yep. They have, obviously, uh, Luca, uh, And they also have Porzingis. And Finney um, Smith, man. Finney Smith, man, hooping, too. Finney Smith. So, I'll put it like this. The free agent class in a year or two – when Giannis is up, again, I'm putting it out there. Don't sleep on Dallas trying to get Giannis. Because if Giannis can be a part of the big three yep. with a young Luka, where at that time, point in time, Luka would be like 23 years old. Yep. Come on, man. A couple years, a few years of experience in the NBA makes the game easier. I mean, don't sleep on Dallas, man. And they're in Texas mm-hmm. with a tax break. No state income tax. So, hey, something to think about. This Denver-Utah series, I I initially picked one of those teams. I'm trying to remember who. 
But I mentioned to somebody that one of these two teams would actually made it, make it to the Western Conference Finals. I didn't think both L.A. teams were going to make it um, purely because uh, I, could, I could see them not necessarily, at the time of my prediction, not necessarily being number one, number two seed. Mm-hmm. I could, could have seen them being like a number one, three, or uh, have met, they would have matched up against each other before the Western Conference, Conference Finals. I really believe that this Denver-Utah series, I think Denver's going to win it purely because uh, Utah is without, uh, I want to say, Bogdanovich, who was really lighting people up. I think with his absence, I think Denver is going to prevail here. Bobo has been absolutely great uh, in this bubble situation. They have Michael Porter Jr., who's been playing lights out. Mm-hmm. Bobo, they're young, too. It's not like they're young. They got a couple savvy vets on the team with Millsap and Grant yeah, and a couple yeah. others, but Jokic is young, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray's young, and then you got – That's going to be interesting. So if the, if the Clippers advance against the Mavericks and if Denver advance against Utah, that's a 2-3 matchup, which would be very exciting and very intriguing. So we'll see what happens, man. This is going to be outstanding. Uh, can't wait. I uh, will say for that playoff, they play in game. Yes. Listen, I'm like, <laughs> I'm liking Phoenix, man. I have to go with you. You called it early. You called it early, man. <laughs> you called Phoenix early, but, but I think it was the switching of the coach. The switching of coach, I think really did it, man. So, but I kind of do want to see the Blazers though, too. I kind of want to see Dane. Man, the way Dane Lillard's been playing, it's a travesty that one of those teams has to go home. Honestly, the way they both been playing, the Lakers have to match up with someone. You want to see them play the Blazers from a, an entertainment standpoint, because the Blazers aren't going to be scared of them. The Lakers will run roughshod over the Phoenix Suns, in my opinion. I can see Phoenix get, Phoenix get one game against the Lakers. Oh, I can see I, I I can see that. I can see the Blazers upending the Lakers if they're see that playing the way they're playing right now. I can see that too. Yep. So that's where as a Lakers fan, you don't, you don't want to wish the Blazers, but I want to see it because it that's it's basketball. You want to see the best <laughs> basketball. And the way the Blazers are playing right now, and they went off and Ticked off Dane Lillard. Now this he's going for th- jugulars, man. He's going for throats. I just I just don't think LeBron and AD man they're gonna play some heavy minutes. Yeah, they're gonna have to play some heavy minutes, and and that's gonna be very interesting to see how they really are towards the end of games. I, I mean, that's gonna be a very interesting series if it happens. Yep, and that's where a lot of these two man, it's like, what's gonna be the impact going forward? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at these paths for both conferences, these are going to be some intriguing matchups. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. First, uh, let me give a huge shout out to our mutual friend, Bill, uh, for his birthday and for doing a good deed and buying uh, undivided Bucks t-shirts, which I actually have on right now. So thank you, Bill. Greatly appreciate it. And for those who don't know, uh, the undivided Bucks t-shirts is a fundraiser for the 
uh, arena workers, the employees. It's a relief fund uh, supporting the part-time workers who make uh, Pfizer form the best arena in the world. So I think it's a great, great cause. Um, I didn't know about it until actually I received the T-shirt and everything. Uh, I think it's an excellent cause. And for those part-time workers all over, whether they're in the NFL, NHL, the NBA, all sports leagues, hopefully things are going well in your world. And uh, we hope that sports do come back very soon. So that way you can get to back to the things and to the jobs that you so love. So having said that, even though I have an undivided t-shirt on, I'm feeling a little bit divided <laughs> in my thoughts on my Milwaukee Bucks, man. Let me just say this, okay? So one of the bad things about uh, this pandemic, and this is just my overall thoughts of the bubble too, um, but I'm going to kind of relate it here to the Bucks. One of the biggest things that when you have a playoff run, you as an organization, you obviously try to win a championship. And the deeper that you go into the playoffs, the more money you actually accumulate. So prime example here, this is from uh, a Bleacher Report article um, back in 2018. I'm going to read a portion of it. Uh, it's by Rob Goldberg. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just paraphrase here. But according to Tim Gowakmi, of the athletic and real GM, the Warriors grossed approximately $130 million from their 11 games that postseason. They grossed about $95 million in 2017, but had only nine home games throughout the playoffs. The team keeps about 30% of these totals, while the team, or with the team bringing home about $130 million in the 2015 playoffs across 14 playoff games. The rise in revenue per game is truly impressive. Yes, indeed. Uh, the team averaged about $9.3 million per game during the first title run four years ago, which was 2014, uh, growing to $10.6 million per game in 2017 and $11.8 million in 2018. My point in stating that is that our Milwaukee Bucks were, were primed and ready to go to a deep playoff run. Uh, and so that would have definitely produced a lot of great revenue for a small market team. Uh, I think that with where the Bucks are right now, uh, when they went to the bubble and I was so primed and I was so pumped to uh, really watch um, the Bucks against the Toronto Raptors um, this past, I want to say it was Monday or Tuesday. And in looking at, at the game, I realized we have some holes. You all know this. I have been clamoring for any time the Bucks play the Raptors, play DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson is an athletic big. He can at least stay with Siakam. Siakam is an improved player. He's averaging a little bit over 20 points a game. Uh, he won most improved player in the NBA last year. Yep. Um, he is coming. He is ready to go. Mm -hmm. And we don't have anybody who can really stay with him, a long body, who's athletic, except D.J. Wilson, in my opinion. I think we need to play D.J. Wilson more. Now, let me tell you what Coach Bud did. Coach Bud put D.J. Wilson in the game with 52 seconds left in the first half. And then he did not play D.J. Wilson again until there was 7 minutes and 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter where the score was 103-86 to the Raptors' way. All I'm saying is, what in the hell are we doing? In pick-and-roll situations, I will say this especially with our second unit. When DJ was in the game, 
there was more pick and roll action between him and also uh, DiVincenzo. And so that actually worked because DJ Wilson actually rolled to the basket and there was at least a threat. Now, you cannot do that with a Marvin Williams. I've seen so many pick and rolls with Marvin Williams where they just don't throw him the ball and he's just out there. I think Coach Bud is just trying to figure out what his lineups are going to be. Uh, he's trying to, you know, play to some different things. I saw actually a lot of small ball lineup, which is the complete opposite of what we uh, were about a few years ago. A few years ago, we had Thon Maker. We had uh, a Henson, more so on the, having a defensive presence because Henson couldn't really score like that. But he was a defensive presence at least. He had a threat. He had a hook shot. But now we have Robin Lopez, who I don't know what's going on with Robin Lopez. I just don't get it. Now, I'm, I'm here as a fan, and forgive me, but I'm just, you know, it is time. When, we, when we're in the bubble situation, when we only have Giannis possibly for another year or two, we got to figure out if he's going to sign the extension. If he doesn't sign the extension, he's going to put the Milwaukee Bucks on alert. And then what's going to happen? Are we going to go back to the situation that we were before Giannis? Yeah, I remember that. There were no fans in the stands. Y'all remember that we were still in the Bradley Center. And y'all remember that we didn't have that much revenue coming in the door. So we need to figure out what the hell we going to do. We need to really figure this out. But, man, we really got to figure this out, especially that second unit. I'm just really concerned. And this also shows and started to kind of go on a rant here, man. And thank you for letting me go because I got to get it out. And, excuse me, this also shows that we really miss Pat Connington and Bledsoe. I really believe those two individuals, those two players are very critical to not only the Bucks starting lineup, but into that second team, that second unit. I think we really need to uh, focus in on our second unit. Connington is up on his contract. Are we going to re-sign him? What are we going to do? I really think that we need to re-sign Connington. I don't know what the hell we're doing with Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown is a great player when you give him minutes. DJ Wilson is a great player. He becomes a great player when you give him consistent minutes. It's about consistent minutes, which I'm starting to honestly question some of the coaching that Coach Bud is doing. I'm starting to kind of question some of the um, personnel development that the team is doing. What is going on? We had a great player in Christian Wood. We need to go back and get Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood went to the Detroit Pistons and has been balling. Yes. Christian, Wood went, <laughs> Christian Wood went down to the New Orleans Pelicans and start balling. Yeah. So it's really, it's really making me question what exactly is the personnel development like for, or the player development like for the Milwaukee Bucks, for them to let the player go. They, we've redeveloped them, and now they're balling. Oh, by the way, Christian Wood is an unrestricted free agent. Let's go ahead and get Christian Wood back. We're not going to start. We're not going to sign Marvin Williams again. We're going to have to make a decision about Sterling Brown. We're going to have to make a decision about Connington. I say you keep Connington and let's go. We, I say we go ahead and get Christian Wood, solidify our second unit. Robin Lopez is on a player option. He gonna pick. He's gonna take that man. Anybody's gonna. Nobody gonna get. Um, <laughs> nobody gonna get Robin Lopez, man. He gonna take that. Stay save the bus. Stay with his brother, man. So we 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 gonna have a pretty big lineup if we get Christian Wood. So we would have Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. We would have Robin Lopez. We would have DJ Wilson, and then we have Connington, and then we would have Dante Divincenzo, and then we would have 
uh, George Hill. Yep. So we would have a pretty good nucleus of a second unit. And I say we need to go ahead and get Christian Wood. I don't think the uh, free agency is that deep this year. But I don't think we have enough money to go get somebody uh, a big free agent. Yep. Go get somebody who knows our system already, who um, has developed, and let's go. We need to go ahead and get this championship before Giannis decides to up and leave. We need to figure it out, Bucks, Coach Bud. I don't. We need you to uh, figure this out, man. So thank you for letting me go on my little rant there. I'm just kind of, you know, it's it's this time, man. It's time. It's time out for the dumb stuff, man. I don't know how. Let me ask you this: How much would you, how much would you pay Christian Wood in a free agent market? Now, keep in mind, when we had Henson, we, we paid Henson $44 million oh, I know years, what we so paid. I know, they, I know what the Bucks paid him. $11 million a year. Man. To me, Christian Wood is worth that at least. And that's the problem. I don't think he's going to come back the way they did him. I, there was no reason to let him go when they let him go last, last year. There was no reason you know, to let him go. And I don't know if he's jaded or not. He's trying to get paid. He's trying to get paid, man. And I don't see them having enough money to pay him. Damn. I, I don't know. Don't say that. Don't say that, Danny. <laughs> because here's Honestly, the thing, man. And they could have got him on dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. They could have signed him for a couple of years on a cheap deal because he was just trying to stay in the league because mm-hmm. he was killing in the G League and he was bouncing around all over the place. And he, he finally got his opportunity to shine, and he did. And then when they dropped him and he went to New Orleans and now Detroit, honestly, I don't see – Detroit letting him go the way he's been playing for them, but it, it all comes down to dollars and cents. There you go. It comes down to dollars and cents, and I think we would honestly be in a a battle to get him. We'd be in a battle to get him, man. I mean, look, I'm looking at our salary roster right now, uh, and so right now, I mean, you're looking at we wouldn't resign Kyle Culver. Kyle Culver, you know, 2.5 on 2.5, 2.6 million dollar contract. We don't have a contract with them next year. Uh, we got to do something with Pat Connington. Mm-hmm. Sterling Brown could potentially come off the books. He's making Sterling Brown's making one point six million, and then Marvin Williams is making uh, leap uh, minimum. And you don't know what the cap's right, going to be like He's either going, with the with the whole COVID. You don't know what the cap going to be like. Let me ask you this, man: Would you go in if you were the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks? Would you go into a luxury tax? It, it all depends on what the the dynamics are for the next season. So if there are no fans again, mm-hmm. and there's no revenue coming in from a, the fan standpoint in the stadium or the arena, I don't see them doing that. I don't see them doing that at all. I see them trying to give Giannis his deal, but then other than that, I don't see it because they gave Middleton all that money and Bledsoe, they paid them. They paid Brooke. I don't see them doing it. I'm going into the luxury tax, man. I'm putting all my chips in the middle of the table. You either gonna have Giannis or you're not. The way I look at it is you're gonna have to entice Giannis now. He's at that point. He chances are he's gonna be league MVP this year. He already got two MVP. He would have two MVP awards. Yep. It's time for a championship ring. Mm-hmm. It's time for a chip. So I think you need to put all your chips in the middle of the table and just go ahead and go for it. And I think you need to get into luxury tax a little bit. But they had the opportunity to do that this past offseason. They didn't do it. Hey, look here, man. You are on the heels of possibly losing Giannis. And here, yeah. here's, what, here's what I'm thinking, though, too. If you get into a luxury tax now, you can make up part of that money. Look, I just read. 
about Warriors, the, the multiple deep playoff runs that they've had, it generated revenue, which yeah. can help offset possibly you being in the luxury tax. Yeah. So I'm thinking we need some deep playoff runs, plural. And again, that's what if we have fans in the stands. But let's think about licensing. Let's think about global exposure. Let's look at what Giannis has done from a global perspective for the city of Milwaukee and yes. for the Bucks. So I think we really need to figure, look at, okay, other revenue streams that the impact of going into luxury tax can possibly have, possibly be, we can benefit from. Yeah. Now, it's not my money. If I was the owner or part of the owner and I had Buku Dallas like that, I mean, I'm going into luxury tax, man. The city of Milwaukee deserves it. The fans of Milwaukee deserve it. Yep, and that's the discussion we had last summer of thinking they would do it and they didn't. Obviously, they they rolled the dice and they won so far because mm-hmm. they're the number one seed and all that good stuff. So, Bucks going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to do something this off season. Uh, I tell you that I did like Dante Divincenzo being more aggressive today against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we're going to need him big time in the playoffs. Um, and here's the other thing that I noticed about the Bucks, man. Their defense was just totally whack during this during these seeding games in the bubble. Totally whack. It, they just did not act as a unit defensively, and I think that's going to be a big problem in the playoffs. Yes, they could have been doing some things vanilla, but I think that's going to be a huge problem. Especially if they're giving up that three ball like they've been. <sighs> man, I think I heard something where – uh, in all of the Bucks losses, they've given up about 15 or 16 made three-pointers against the uh, opposing team, which just it, it's not going to work in the playoffs if they continue to do that. The Bucks fans, we, we're wishing for the best. We're hoping for the best. Bucks is going to have to come with it, man. Our trading card scenario for today. Go ahead, outline it, Danny. All right. We will be debating Carmelo Anthony's 2003 Topps Chrome rookie card for Terry Cummings' 1986 Fleer rookie card. And some of you may be saying, for some of the people in my, from my generation, 1986, this is one of those situations where Terry Cummings came into the league in 1982, but his car was not, his rookie car was not generated until 1986. For those of you who may not know these players, real quick bios, I'll start with Terry Cummings. Terry Cummings was drafted by the Clippers in 1982, number two pick overall. He went to DePaul. He was rookie of the year. He ended up playing 18 seasons and overall averaged 16.7 boards and two assists a game. Power forward, 6'8". And then you have Melo, who was drafted in the 2003 draft, number three overall to the Denver Nuggets. And he's played 17 seasons. Career average, 23 points, six boards, three dimes. One Item of note with Mello is he's a four-time Olympian medalist. Three gold medals, one bronze medal. So, Jason, with all that being said, you're sitting there 
with these rookie cards in the back porch, which one do you want in this scenario? See, I, w- I was torn with this one. This one was a difficult one. I uh, thought about TC Terry Cummings. And, uh, you know, we obviously have history with regards to being Bucks fans and also uh, just seeing him play, seeing him fit in the system, but being a dominant uh, power forward. When you think about mm-hmm. his scoring averages, man, I mean, uh, and for the kids who are listening to this, please go out to YouTube, check out some of the highlights of Terry Cummings. Um, the game, the basketball game was a lot different back then than it is now. Uh, as Danny indicated, uh, Terry Cummings was a power forward. So it wasn't a whole lot of outside shooting uh, initially for him. Um, he did develop a good mid-range game. And that fadeaway. Um, and that fadeaway, he had that on lock. But in terms of three-pointers, he just wasn't a three-point guy. Game was totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one thing that I did take a look at when he, when he did come into the Clippers, um, and back then it was the San Diego Clippers, they actually had a decent, decent squad, man. Uh, they actually had uh, Bill Walton and Tom Chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, on there so it was an interesting squad that they had uh terry cummings a uh, great player the other thing that we have to make mention you mentioned that Melo was a four-time olympian primarily as an nba player yes back then it was primarily college players yes. that went to the olympics so one question would would be do you feel that terry cummings would have made an olympic team had he gone out and had they looked at NBA team. We don't have to answer. That's just, you know, yep. I'm just throwing it out there, but uh, times were a little bit different uh, back then. Uh, I was with Mello had his time in Denver uh, scoring yes. champion with the Knicks back in 2012, 2013 season, uh, where at that point in time, he averaged 28.7. But I would say this though, when you think about, Carmelo, you always think about the lack of playoffs, especially with the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. There was um, some form of a playoff run with the Knicks in 2012, 2013, when he was the scoring champ. Uh, in the playoffs, they had about 12 playoff games. He averaged about 28.8 points a game. Um, so he, he was balling. But comparing these two, Melo had played 72 games in the playoffs uh, as of now versus that of Terry Cummings, who he actually played, uh, let's see here, over 100 games in the playoffs. And he was always, always competitive, man. They had deep runs. This one was tough, man. I say that to say, I say that to, because as of right now, man, let's just say, I mean, Melo. And you know where I always go, man. I go back to the college days. Yep. Okay. Where Melo actually won a national championship. He was in the same draft class as uh, LeBron, D-Wade. Well, this one was tough, man. <laughs> um, Carmelo is basically going to be a Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, Terry Cummings is not a Hall of Famer as of yet. This one was a tough one, man. And what I'm torn with, obviously, and fans know, 
Sometimes I go with my heartstrings there. And where with Terry Cummings, man, he just had a nice game to him, man. The game was different. He wasn't afraid to go down low. He was on the block. Uh, he went to. He was on the block. He went to DePaul. Very great college squad, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do one of your numbers, man. <laughs> Can't believe I'm going to say this, man. But it, for the value of the card, <laughs> I may have to go with Melo on this one. It kind of pains me to say that because I really like Terry Cummins. I like this game. And here's the other thing I liked about Terry Cummins, man. He fit in no matter where he went. Exactly. You never really heard, and we – were young, you know, young during that time when he played, but you never really heard about Terry Cummings arguing back and forth about whether it's playing time or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you never heard of that. With, with Melo, you heard that in Denver. You heard that Knicks. You heard that in Houston Rockets. You heard that in OKC. He got humbled and sat out for a while, and then came to Portland Trailblazers, and now he's balling. But throughout the course of his career, you've heard Something from Mello. I want my money. I signed anywhere. Let me get my money. Signed with the New York Knicks. What happened? They didn't make the playoffs. Has issues over there. TC, hey man, just quiet. Just went to went about his game, man. Fitting no matter no matter where he went. But I got gosh. I'm gonna have to go with Mello on the card, man. Because people are gonna know about Mello. They know him. What do I always say, man? What do I always say? Can can they translate from the college game to the NBA? And hold expectations. Mm-hmm. He held expectations, man. He made the all-rookie team. I have to go with Melo on this, man. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Car value is going to be more, worth more than Terry Cummings. But, man, Terry Cummings was a great player. How about you? All right, Jay. I struggled with this one a little bit, too. A couple things of note with Terry Cummings. Terry Cummings got hurt in 92. If he wouldn't have got hurt, what would his career, how would he have finished his career? Because mm-hmm. he got hurt. And then from there, he was not the same player. He was a straight role player versus someone who was out there. And that's where, when I when I think about this, versus Melo. And Melo is more of a wing, where TC mm-hmm. is more on the block. And when mm-hmm. I say on the block, meaning in the post. One, one TC being more of a power forward. Yep. Melo being more, more of a small, small forward. Small forward, yes. And TC was a better defender. TC wow. had longevity. That's why this was very. This was a very intriguing matchup. In order to just cut to the chase here, I'm gonna take the 2003 Topps Chrome rookie card, and it's only because of the card, not the player. The player, from my standpoint, TC all day, just due to, like you mentioned, his demeanor. He just went out and played ball. He wasn't one of these flashy dudes, and that's when, if someone see this, like, well, there's no comparison. There was a comparison here Mm -hmm. it's just a matter Mm of being known Mm -hmm. so all that being said i'm gonna have to agree with you and take the mellow card Mm. i really like that tc card too when i saw that flare with the red border i like that that tc card i like that tc card man with that sprite bucks (laughs) that that sprite bucks jersey on i was like dang that would be nice to have in the in the uh collection (laughs) yep yep but i'm gonna go mellow so there you have it man Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love. 